Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. This is the Making More Money for You show. And last week was a very special show that we had i had sean murphy back on uh it's been a while since he's talked he's actually been from the beginning uh one of the people that have uh produced and endorsed the show and i want to thank him for that but yes uh last week's show was definitely important especially at any age of finding uh a balance between investing and also life insurance uh we don't get out of here alive and that kind of product actually makes life a little bit easier while you can make money. And also after you, you depart from this world, uh, whoever's left behind will actually help as well. Uh, also, it was very special because I released my, my last book, my, my next book was there, uh, generating wealth with in, in IULs, uh, which is on sale on Amazon and everywhere else out there. So that, that kind of coincided with, with everything that's going on, especially nowadays where things happen at the late, at the uh, most inopportune times. And it's what it's good to be prepared. And that will actually help you get to your better tomorrow. But today is something we did. De- everybody deals with no matter which, what walk of life you are, where you're at socially, or uh, even at work, or if you work for yourself is one thing that constantly keeps coming up is conflict. Uh, we see it on the news 24-7. There's multiple channels about it. We bring it into our life. We can't decide if we want an Android or if we want an iPhone. And to help figure out how to diffuse some of these issues and make life a little bit better, and actually we're going to find out how this actually can make help make you some money, is I have Yvette Durazo here. Yvette, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me over to your radio station. Oh, you're most welcome. Uh, Yvette, uh, you know, we reached out, I think it was, what, five months ago already? It's been about five months already since we first talked. And when you reached out, um, your assistant yourself reached out about being on the show. And I didn't really realize how much conflict there was out there until I started reading what you're doing and what your company is doing and and your book, of course, of – how things in life revolve around drama and conflict and we're all susceptible to it we all either contribute it or we we get on the receiving end of it but uh can you give us a little bit of background on you and how you came into this special field thank you yeah um well i came into this special field uh so i graduated from a master's degrees in negotiation and conflict management uh, that's that's what it all started. I really fell in love with the degree. I wanted to go into an MBA, but I realized uh, very early in my life when I first uh, went out and started working with a bachelor's degree that I was working for a lot of nonprofit organizations and being involved in in a lot of political campaigns and in working for the city. And one of the things I realized there is that there was always conflict. There was always people wanting to do good in the community, but at the same time, somehow 
the mission and the vision of those organizations that were intended to do good for the for the community uh, would get, um, you know, their mission and vision will get diluted because of the people that were running them. And, and they were not bad people. They were well-meaning people that wanted to contribute, that wanted to get in the board, they wanted to work in those organizations, but at the same time, people were not getting along well. People were not seeing things eye to eye. They had different values, beliefs. They, you know, they just uh, sometimes would see things from a different perspective. And I, I have a personality that likes to connect people, and, and I would notice that people will gravitate towards me to see whether if I could do something about helping them to resolve whatever issue they were having. And, and yes, you know, I have a lot of empathy and I would help with that. But at the same time, I realized at a very early age that somehow I was missing certain skill sets and I just didn't know what they were. I couldn't point them out. And then when I was approached about this master's degree, um, I realized that that would be a very valuable skill. And also I knew that with that, I can build my consulting business because I have always uh, had the desire to develop my own business. Mm -hmm. Just like my father was an entrepreneur at a very young age, I wanted to go ahead and follow his steps. And aside from that, I also realized that my father also influenced to that idea of me not only wanting to open up my own consulting business, my own business, but also influenced me to be able to find what are the behaviors and what are the, the skills needed to be great leaders in organizations, those leaders that we're willing to follow because they're very good leaders. And my father was one of them. And that also inspired me to go ahead and, and develop not only the consulting business, but also write my book. I write about the story about my dad as well. But the most important thing about that book, what I write about is, it's how is it that conflict affects companies' bottom line? And I address several things in that book that talks about why why is it important, how to uh, companies can uh, find ways and mechanisms to make that happen, to make sure that um, you know they're not leaking the bottom line of the organization because uh, conflict, you know, human conflict in the workplace exists all the time. But the, what happens is that in many years ago, people were not addressing that because they were thinking that HR would be taking care of it. But it is in HR that leaders in organizations don't realize that the mechanisms that they use, they're very punitive. And because they're very punitive, the, the space in order for people to have human-to-human -human communication and be able to resolve things with either through empathy, either through accountability, responsibility, that in the long run affects the organization because it costs quite a lot of money to get rid of people and fire people and rehire people and bring people into the organization. It takes a lot of money to get them on board. The long They take up around three to four to six months in order to understand the whole job uh, onboarding process and and if you put that in a calculator, it costs quite a lot of money to companies. And I think that that is one of the things that leaders are not paying attention. They're just thinking HR is the one that deals with it and let's just send it to HR. Another thing that has been happening in the past three or four years with the pandemic happening mm -hmm. is that 
uh, there has been a lot of human conflict that exists and, and, and prevailed to this hour of the day in organizations because now we're dealing with the human side of the people, right? We're dealing with managers, supervisors that are dealing with employees that they, they're taking care of family members. They're taking care of their own kids because of the pandemic. They still, a lot of, a lot of places in the United States are not uh, fully opened and, and, and ready to take on the normal life, right? Because the daycares and places like that are, are still not functioning right. to its capacity. Therefore, uh, the supervisors, managers are constantly um, dealing with employees that either they're taking advantage of the situation or that they're really having issues in their house that prevent them from being at work many times. So not only are we dealing with that, but we're also dealing with with all these phenomena that is happening. So I think that, you know, learning to become conflict intelligence, it's key in today's organization in order to help organization um, save money and be able to realize that there's places in where they're leaking resources and money. The other thing is that you also have the silent quitters. You know, there's people working in many organizations that are working there and putting up hours, but they're not fully there because they don't feel like they belong. They feel that they need to get away from that job. They don't like it. They don't like the people that they work with. Most likely is the people that they don't know they work with. They probably can re-engage and work on the work that they're doing, but somehow they don't feel that connection. A recent study that I was reading, it talks about that it takes about four people, whole, four co-workers to be involved with one employee in order for that person to start feeling a sense of belonging. Okay. to the point that it takes about seven people, seven connections in the workplace to be able to feel that you fully belong, that you're invested in that company and that you're willing to do whatever it takes in order to work with the team, in order to help the organization meet their goals and objectives. So this is a very serious thing. We're constantly talking about how to engage employees, how to um, you know, get them to perform better, um, and in the the truth of it is that it, it boils down to the human human uh, capacity of connecting one one another. And if you don't have that, and you don't know how to communicate, you don't know how to deal with misunderstandings, issues that are popping up every single single day, you're not going to be able to be affected in bringing these these uh, inclusion and this belonging into the organization. Okay. Well, that's you brought up a lot of stuff and we can take like three shows to actually just talk about that <laughs> where you where you just went over but one thing i want to start talking about is that you may you uh definitely brought up human resources when i started working in the work field and i'm sure when you have too it used to be called human relations do you remember that way back when yeah, we're well actually- hr has been evolving but very little uh, and yes, they changed the names, but the reality of things is that employees don't trust HR. And that's where I'm actually getting at to right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, what that's I suspected. <laughs> <laughs> well, even that little shift, even in the name, you you feel depersonalized. I did, mm-hmm. especially especially where I was. And I have noticed a shift in the people that worked in HR, especially at the same job where they switched job titles. Mm-hmm. The whole difference was they used to talk. I used to go talk to them. I was, 
um, when I started a new position, I always make friends with maintenance, HR, and uh, the supervisors. Because if I need anything, those are the people I need to go to to get stuff done. And mm-hmm. knowing what they're doing and knowing what needs to be done in the workplace also gives me th- gives me um, a diagram or a flowchart, if you will, of how, how stuff is getting done. But what has made, what was one of the major contributing factors from even that little mind shift or that evolution from way back when where HR actually cared about what employees were starting to do into now it's like, oh, okay, well, we'll fill out this form and we'll get back to you. Yeah. Well, there has been a lot of misconception about the HR field. And and everybody, if you were to talk to the newest students that are coming out of the university or the college and they're going to get a job, they hear about HR and they get happy. It's like, wow, there's an HR human resource department here that it's there to develop me or to work with me or if I have issues. And it has never been so. HR, you know, if you, if you read about the history of HR, HR was developed back in the days when the union laborers started, 1930s. The first HR piece of the position that people were doing were payroll. Okay. Everything started with payroll. And an HR uh, field has been evolving. And I personally t- took an HR certificate program because I wanted to dig in and figure it out where in that where in that field were they working with people and relating to people and working together so that people can feel that they have a place where they can work and they have a place where where they can um, address their issues and I couldn't find it and I you know and I'm in a mission to change that because I I, I went to the director of the of HR certificate program and I and I told them you know, I don't understand why HR professionals are not taught conflict resolution, are not taught mediator, mediation skill sets, are not taught how to restore relationships so that instead of firing people, mm-hmm. you get to work with them and see how they can collaborate and work together so that you don't have to go through firing and, and getting rid of people or just, uh, you know, just... Uh, how do you say, uh, uh, reprimand them. And then okay. what happens is they get, you know, people get upset. They don't like, it doesn't, they don't like it. And they start retaliating inside the organization. Right. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, and I went on a mission and I created a course, uh, actually two courses for, for HR to teach them about this piece of the field of, 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 of alternative dispute resolution. And, and if you go back to the history, it never developed, HR was never developed that way. And on top of that, it was pretty much developed to support and protect the organization. HR is more about policies and procedures. The majority of it's policies and procedures. In the field of HR, you can hear about organizational effectiveness. Now they have chief people's operations or chief human resource. So they have created more uh, titles within the HR, but not necessarily titles that employees can go in and really have those difficult conversations and be able to find viable solutions and resources in order to be able to find mechanisms and where they can they can uh, amend situations with other employees. Usually what tends to happen is that whenever they go to any of these 
dispute resolution systems that any organization have, which is right. HR, employee relations, labor relations, whistleblower, equal opportunity departments, all of these are very re retaliatory processes. You go in, you create a formal complaint, or you write a form, and then they go through a series of investigation. And then they either investigate and they find a merit or they found that there was no merit for whatever accusation was 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 being reported, right? But then after that, nothing else happens. Right. Or either if there's a there's a there's something there's the only thing that they, they do, they have to go behind doors and they spank the person on the hand and then don't do that again. Or you know what, you did something very bad and we're gonna get rid of you, right? or just spank them on the hand and that's not something that you should be doing, right? And then nothing else happens. These people continue to having issues with each other because nobody sit with them and tried to figure out what was going on with them. Why were not they were not getting along? How is it that they can they can find mechanisms and ways to, to work together? How is it that one person says one thing that bothers them the other to the other one and they can find a collaborative process in where they can work together? And we really need this more and more now. Back in the days, four or five years ago, before, you know, when I first started 10 years, 12 years ago, okay. conflict resolution was a very soft skill. They would call it a soft skill. Now we're in a time of, of, of life where, where that skill, it's extremely necessary. It's an essential skill. It's not no more a soft skill. The other thing that there's some misperception about conflict resolution is that people think that just by going into a course one hour, two hours, they're going to learn to, they're going to learn techniques, techniques to resolve conflict. And, and that is not what really turns the key. You really need to learn how to embrace a, what I call a mega skill, which is a lot of skills that involve you to become a conflict intelligent person in order not to shy away from difficult conversations, not to shy away or be afraid not to deal with, with, with difficulty. Because not only are we afraid of our persona, of how we're going to react to things, because we're, we're, we're emotional beings, and then we also are afraid of how the other person is going to react to their emotions, right? And that interaction is what makes people very fearful. So if if they really learn the skills and the, the 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 ability, because it's not only skills, but it's the ability and also develop levels of consciousness of how is it that they can become a neutral person where they can be fully there for the other person in order to be there with empathy, in order to understand what's going on, you have a better chance that the other person will open up their heart and be able to communicate from human to human. Okay. That makes a lot of sense because as, as we're taught, you're right. They're not taught that. And <clears throat> certain people don't, I'm not going to lie. Certain people do not belong in that position, that, but there's great people that are in that position and there's ones in between. I, I went, ran through the whole gamut of everybody, but every time I found a person, an HR person that did their job extremely well, the employees liked, they got great um, resolve and their production is up. I've always seen the company turns around and tries to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, I have seen that. Uh, I've been through it. I've seen even 
you know, the people that are, like we said before, company focused, excel. And that's where those chief titles came in. Those director titles came in. They made them up there and they brought other people in to do what they did before. And they tried to make those standards uh, fall down, go fall down, go down towards the bottom of the new hires because that's yeah. what got them up. And this is what brings, this is what we want to maintain. This is how I got successful. This is how the company likes it. And this is how we're going to keep it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I have seen that uh, hands, you know, five out of seven out of my 12 professional jobs, even before I was professional and what I was doing uh, that happening. So what tips and what tips and uh, information that we can give to the listener, the listeners out there to pay attention for it, to know these signs and start actually not having, I hate to say it, not even rely on HR, but some things that they can, that they can sense that they can do and uh, how to navigate their jobs. Yes. One of the things that I think that is the most important thing is to realize that perhaps throughout your educational life from kinder all the way probably until you got a bachelor's, master's, PhD, you're not necessarily taught how to resolve conflict. But in reality, where you ended up learning how to resolve conflict, it's in the age between when you were zero and seven years old. Okay. And it was through well-meaning parents, people that probably you have experienced, family members, perhaps your teacher. You know, those are the people that somehow embedded on you a way how to react to adverse reactions or conflict or situations that are happening in your life. If you really pay attention and you go back and realize that, you're going to say, yes, Yvette, I think that the way that I resolve conflict is exactly the way that my father resolved conflict or my mom resolved conflict or or somebody that I that I experienced when I was growing up. Um, lucky those that pay attention to that and they go out and seek more education, they read books about it and, and then they find mechanisms and ways of how to maneuver and, and deal with conflict. That is very important. How many times have we heard in the past years, not only in, in the in the in the political atmosphere, but in everywhere else, you know, that these people were literally, you know, reacting through situations and conflicts pretty much the same way that they were doing it in middle school. You know, they created cliques, you know, they they the same mechanism. On top of that, we don't live in a society in where we have very good role models that do conflict resolution well. Why? Because something in our brains likes drama, likes, mm-hmm. you know, altercations, mm-hmm. like fighting. We, What do we see on sports? People, you know, against each other. They are playing, but they're, they're going against each other. Boxing, reality shows, a lot, you know, why are the ratings? of those reality shows so high because people like drama. You know, they, they just, humans are drawn to us. And guess what? Once you're drawn to that, that what is it that you're putting on your brain? What is it that, that 
you know, what examples of, of ways of revealing and relating to people are you learning and are you endorsing as well? Because you're endorsing that. Every time that you're giving your rating to watch these type of violent uh, movies, violent, um, you know, reality shows where people are constantly fighting, um, if you go through all the channels, you will rarely find a, a good shows that talks about collaboration, talks about how to deal with people. Those don't have very good ratings, unfortunately, and and then they get ripped up out of the TVs or radio shows and things like that. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they start getting canceled. Uh, and they start getting canceled. They yeah. get canceled. They they're like you're saying. They end early. They get uh, moved to even seeing the old shows even if you go on to like nick at night or tv land or whatever you don't really see those shows anymore and you're right there's actually they've been replacing them show those shows the wholesome shows that mm -hmm. teach values that teach how to actually talk talk to somebody and not throw tantrums or oh i didn't get my way here's a participation award type of thing going on yeah um yeah those shows are actually going away now too and they were these channels were made for those shows and they're trying to get them out, trying to trying to do that. And you're exactly. right. Our, our role models are our sports figures, our our te Well, at some point, at one point, they are our teachers, our parents, and um, tele television has taken over pretty much ninety percent of people. Well, let me re let me rephrase that. TikTok has taken over ninety five percent of people, <laughs> and, <Yes>. <laughs> and, and that's even more. That's more drama. Mm -hmm. which is even worse is because it's only a 60 second or 30 second video that's like oh this happened so but you don't see what happened after or you don't see what before you just get that 30 seconds it's like and that's in your head like you're saying is that we're re remapping our heads mm -hmm. now with oh, oh wow we're almost at break time <laughs> uh, we might actually have to uh i'll wind this down real quick i didn't realize we were already halfway through the show this is fantastic fantastic content is for, real quick what show how how can we get people to actually stop with the drama or even tone down the drama or not even that is actually realize it's like oh this is drama and then actually just realizing it's drama well, the, the, the thing is that it's through awareness, right? Um, there's um, people become addicted to drama. People become addicted to getting angry all the time. And, and because the body or the mind, you know, gets, gets out these chemicals and, they're, and they become very noticeable and very comfortable with, with, the, with the person, right? The person becomes comfortable with these these mechanisms of the brain and then the the chemicals that it that the that comes out of it mm -hmm. right and it is like a drug people yeah. become addicts to drama become addicts to violence to be violent themselves and it it takes a while that's why you know i go through the whole process of the book in that it's not only teaching and working with people to work on them to create awareness at a deeper level then retooling the brain, helping them to use 
different tools and different mechanisms and different ways of viewing things and, and perceiving things. And then also, how are you going to transform the behavior? Because sometimes people become addicted to that drug that the brain, you know, you know, decrease in order to be aware of it. Same thing happens with, you know, when you're eating certain things, chocolate, and guess what? The people that are creating our apps, our phones, our games, all of that, if you go inside their organizations, they have neuroscience and neuroscientists inside those organizations in order to teach the people that are creating these, these products how to hook people because we they know better how humanity or how humans function. So we have to become knowledgeable about ourselves and how we function from within outside in order to be able to work on the mechanisms of our behaviors. Okay. Right? So yeah. that's, that's key. That's key right there. So that is a good note to stop on for a moment. We actually have to take a couple seconds here. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to further discuss this and how we can actually change some of these things to be positive and help us actually live better lives and have uh, a little bit extra money in our pockets as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you're just tuning in, welcome to the show. The first half of this show about conflict resolution, how we're actually going to get some more money in your pocket, um, 
was phenomenal. Non-stop content, especially on some of the history of conflict, why we're drawn to conflict. And now we're actually going to get into the better half of the show is how we can actually resolve conflict in our favor and uh, use some conflict resolution tips to, one, negotiate better salary, to make a better, happier work life, work life, uh, work and life in general, and also um, make it a little bit easier for you, uh, you out there to be better at everything you're doing. And back to the, welcome back to the show, Yvette. Uh, thank you. Thank you for such great content. First, you know, there's a lot in there, and I'm I know I'm going to have to go back and, and listen to the show again uh, to get everything. But uh, absolutely. So we talked about what drives us, what companies are doing to actually stimulate our minds to get the results that they're looking for, either with clicks or with. Um, product purchases or uh even just a reaction from a person out of out of all this so how do we actually take some of those items that they're doing there and actually use them for good how can we actually better our lives by using some conflict resolution would you remind me right now as you were speaking uh that when i first started teaching at National University in 2012 uh, for a certificate program in alternative dispute resolution. And I was teaching mediation, conflict resolution, negotiation skills. Um, I was very surprised that when I was, you know, first of all, I wanted to make sure I teach um, anything and everything in a very experiential way because these skills have to be taught very experiential. They cannot be taught by just reading a book just by giving you some exercises and cases. You have to really teach it in a very experiential way. And I was very surprised to see a lot of my students coming back to me and saying, you know, Professor Dorazo, I, because of what you taught me, I was able to resolve certain issues at work. Therefore, I was being seen as leader and I was offered a better position. That's amazing. Just and not only that, stuff. yeah. And then okay. I would hear another one and say, you know what? I was able to uh, negotiate my salary because I have been feeling like I haven't been paid well. After you taught me how to, I feel very confident. I feel very at peace because that's what happens. People are getting very nervous, you know, whenever you're going to negotiate a salary. And that, that person would say, I feel so much at peace and so secure and I prepare myself so that I could negotiate. And if they said, they said, no, I knew what other things I could negotiate. And, and, you know, they were able to negotiate salaries and there were other students who were telling me, you know, I was able to, to negotiate with, you know, with my wife and, and I have a better relationship now with my wife or my husband. So that is where it all started, and I was like, wow, I was in, in shock, and I was in awe to see that experience. And then throughout my, my 12 years of career in this field, I continue to see that. And I, and I really enjoy, especially when I'm working with women, to help them how to negotiate not only their salary, but a, but a space on the table um, so that they can be heard, so that they can be seen, so that they can... They, 
be seen as, as leaders okay. in organizations. That is that is where I, I take most pride at because I really enjoy working specifically with women, right? But for everybody else, you know, learning how to communicate better in order to be able to uh, negotiate in a in an interest base instead of a positional base, you know, and just to explain to you what that means is position is what I want. Interest base is figuring out what the other person wants, what you want, and see if you can collaborate and come out to the middle. You can come out with ways of how to do better in your jobs. If you're a, if you're working on sales, you will probably do very, doing very well if you learn these techniques. Any anybody that works in an organization needs to negotiate you know, their salary, their, their, their job, their projects, oh. you know, you can gain, you know, money in your pocket in many ways when you do this, right? When you know how to communicate better, when you know how to negotiate better, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, not only that, you also can save a lot of money when your health is better, when you know how not to be afraid of conflict, how not to be in conflict with other people in the workplace. Because at the end of the day, what it affects you is your health. Right. You're thinking that you're being angry and you're being upset with other people is going to affect the other person. No. Not necessarily. You're affecting yourself. So there's so so many ways here that you can you can make money and you can save money just by, by learning all the skills. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I actually just had ex with the salary negotiation just like you talked about i was working working as a contractor as one person in it and you know i i really wasn't looking i get calls mm -hmm. 10 12 times a day for it i've been doing it for over 15 years i'm well certified in juniper and cisco and everything under the sun i've experienced a lot of stuff and this one i don't know why but i took this call from this one recruiter i took it and they made the job sound extremely good. I'm like, what they're supposed to be doing. It's like, get you enticed and draw you in and see if it's a good fit. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the thing, I told him, I told him my salary. It's like, well, I had a lot of questions about it because it sounded like, a, like another place that I've worked previously. So all the details they were giving me, it's like, I know where I'm going. I know where they're going with this. And right before I hung up, he told me the company name and then hung up on me. I'm like, I knew it. I knew exactly where I was going. I knew exactly what kind of job this was going to be. Um, and I knew how to play this because I knew the atmosphere and I knew where the uh, the culture is, if you will. Mm -hmm. Scheduled the interview with the manager. Very nice man. I never worked with him there, but I knew of him and I knew what kind of work he did. Basically, that interview was him offering me the job. Because he already knew my experience. He knew I already knew the network there. And all the other stuff, uh, the basically the other candidates, he didn't want to train. Because the environment is very, very in intricate. And a lot of um, policies and procedures are in place that I already knew. So mm -hmm. I gave him my rate and I wasn't budging on it. And it was over what they did. I'm like, okay, well, if you decide to do it, fine. If you don't decide to do it, nice talking with you and, and uh, best of luck with you. So once that happened, the 
recruiting firm came back. He's like, you're not going to budge on your salary. I'm like, absolutely not. I should have asked for more money because I found out that it was actually more than what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. He's like two weeks two about a week later. It's like, well, there was some negotiation going on and they were with the budget constraints and stuff. And what I asked, I didn't expect to get it because I gave an astronomical amount <laughs> mm-hmm. of what, of what they did. And, but knowing that I knew the conflict and I knew that they needed expertise that I already had, and that was time saved for them and training. So I knew as soon as I got there, I would actually be working sooner than, than I would expect. And that's what they wanted instead of training someone for six months, like three to six months, as we were talking before. And they came back and they actually offered me the job at the, at the rate I wanted. So I actually took the job and like you're saying, it was it, everything worked out. I made I made it situational. I made sure that they got what they needed, which was my knowledge, my prior knowledge, and especially I knew the people that I'd be working with on the other side of the table because I worked with them before. Mm-hmm. So that gave a lot of leeway on my side. I had a lot yeah, of weight and, to carry and, and ve- leverage. You were able to understand what the interest base is here, right? The interest right. base is that perhaps they needed somebody that can jump right in there fast, pick up the pace of the job and be able to do it. And and that that alone, you're saving them already money because you're going in already with the with the knowledge, you know, with institutional knowledge that you had about that company and how the culture works and everything. Yeah. And uh, IT is I'd be, I'm also learning a lot more too, but I have the basics down of the network. I have their, like we're saying is their situation. I understand the situation. I actually found drawings I did before I left there that I've done, Mm -hmm. that I've signed. And I'm like, oh, I remember doing this. I remember this. Okay. This goes there. And they're extremely happy because all the people that I'm working with is, is wonderful. Uh, and so everything worked the way it's supposed to, uh, even if you take this information, you try to apply it to another job. Uh, just like listen. First of all, I learned a li- I learned a lot. I learned more by just listening to what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and not only that, you know, now imagine going into this work, you know, understanding the culture, understanding how how people work. Mm-hmm. You're not taking things personal, but rather you come from a fresh mind and where you're going to work with these people and you're going to find mechanisms to be able to work with them and not be in conflict with people, right? right. Because you already know the culture a, a little bit and you already know what they're all about, right? And and you're going to be able to go into a culture that, you know, you already kind of know. And, and people will realize that you already know because you're going to be talking the way that they speak and everything, right? Mm-hmm. So that in, in there, you can also um, help to become leader in that organization, then mm-hmm. go from there. Right. And not only was the pay better, it's actually, it is actually a step up because I'm actually part of a management now. So I actually have, I grew, grew in that. And if, you take even a little bit of that and apply it to where you're at, get, you'll get a lot further because it is a job. It is actually an employee's market right now. Mm-hmm. They can, there's so many openings out there. You can go anywhere you want to go. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and I get to train a lot of the new managers that come in. And because one of the things that they fear about is that they know the ins and outs, but then when it comes to people, that's where that's where the, the, the problem is. That's where they feel stuck, right? And when you work with new managers, you get them to be able to um, talk to, to their employees better, negotiate situations, uh, figure it out where other people are in conflict and be able to mediate in between mm -hmm. with, this, with, with the situation. Because if you leave employees that are in conflict just lingering in there, it's going to eventually affect the productivity. It's eventually, eventually it's going to affect the whole team, affect the culture to become a very toxic culture. And, and you don't want that. And that is where, where sometimes HR people come to me and say, Yvette, I know you're trying to teach HR about these things about conflict resolution and mediation, mm -hmm. but the reality is that when situations come in our table, they come to a point where we have to apply the policy and procedure process. Perhaps we don't have space there to negotiate or to mediate or to do anything like that. That's what some people tell, some of the HR people tell me, you know, the, it's best to train our managers and HR go, go and train the managers, but they, they train them in ways where, where, where literally they, the managers feel that HR is going to be their backup, not necessarily they're giving them the skill sets and, and the abilities to be able to deal with those situations. Because if you know how to deal with those situations, then you're, you're going to be seen as a good leader mm -hmm. for your team. And right. then your team will create trust on you that you know how to handle these things. Absolutely. And I remember starting there is they gave us training. Uh, the training was the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So I went through the training. I'm like, great. You know, really good. Really starting to do this. But once I got out of the training and I op it opened your eyes up after you, you go through a training like that or consultations with you. And what I saw was even though they gave us the training, they're not implementing the training. Yeah, that's and the other problem that, that I see often. And ever since I started my consulting business, I refuse to give these type of trainings where companies come to me and say, please give me an off-shelf off training. I don't offer off shelf. I really need to understand what are the themes of the organization, what's the problems that are happening inside this organization in order to be able to figure it out how I will bring all the skill sets. Trust me, there's so much to teach. Just along in my book, I develop a training module, 12 training modules that all together with the group coaching, it's, it amounts for almost 30 hours to 40 hours of teaching. That's just alone from the book. Wow. Aside that I have other courses that I teach in this area. So I have to really understand what's going on in the organization. Then I develop and, and create a customized, you know, semi-customized training for the organization. And I make sure that, you know, the, the employees are going are gonna to enact everything that I'm teaching them through the group coaching. Because I want to make sure right. that they're implementing if they have questions, if they still have fear, if there was something that perhaps in my assessment or or the conversations I have with the leaders didn't 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 uh, didn't get addressed, then I get the opportunity to address that in the in the group coaching uh, because that is important. Because 
many times you know i you know i have been working in organizations just just like you for many years before i i did my consulting business and i remember going to these uh trainings immediately i will get the binder and just put it inside on my on my computer you know right. on my desk and never open it up again then i would go to these team building exercises and i would i would I would not perhaps not, you know, not get along with my boss or the boss, my boss, you know. You ever just, notice just he's, to, he's the one you're paired with, that the person that you don't really get yeah, along with? Yeah. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something that I not only I know my knowledge because of all the books that I read, my degrees and all the experience that I have, but I had my own personal experience of being bullied, having clicks, micro micromanaged. You know, all of those things, you know, being in situations where I felt that because of my culture, my accent, um, I wasn't given opportunities. I, I have gone through all of that. That's why I'm on this side now. Now I'm the <laughs> consultant. I love it on this side. And and uh, and I remember going to those teams, building days, you know, go a full day, you go to the park, you have the, the lunch, you have the, the, the food, you have the games, and you just pretend that you're having that day off out of the <laughs> office. You just pretend. Day after, they, you know, the weekend pass and the following Monday will come, people will sit in their, in their same personality. Right. And, and, and just that day that the company paid several thousands of dollars for the people to be out and about, smelling the nice air, the ocean, whatever, it's gone. Because people just come back and then enact the same behaviors. So those those type of team buildings don't work. I agree. I agree. But they get some great PR to advertise with them. Of course, That's, yeah. They, they, yeah. they capitalize on that part end of it to, to get new people in. They keep the resources flowing in, if you will, as people leave. Because yeah. now we're in a revolving door situation in the world where, well, I was at this job for a year. It's like, I don't like it. Now it's out the door I go. It's like, oh, this this shiny new object is over here. I Well, IT is like that, but it's like on average three to five years. That's the shelf, average shelf life of an IT person in an organization because you get stale. Either they... Get they, and, they're and, well. and it all depends on where you are. You know, I'm in right. Silicon Valley area. And let me tell you that I have seen so many LinkedIn profiles that you can see people just giving the turn in six months because mm -hmm. they want to go to the next level, right? Because they there's so much opportunity in so many companies. So mm -hmm. it all depends throughout the United States how many companies you have in, in, in that particular state in order to be able to, to build your career. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, a long, I remember a long time ago that was frowned upon because you excel too fast and you really didn't get the skills, which mm -hmm. does pan out. I have met people that have done that or senior levels that feel like they just got out of college and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, um, but honestly, Yvette, we have to wind down the show already. I can't believe it. There's a lot of stuff we covered here, you know, the listening, the um, the changing your perspective, your paradigm, the way you look at things, uh, trying to work things out before you go to HR, because normally when you hear the HR, it's either, okay, what, what day am I leaving or what day is my last day or uh, something? They It's also, it's very associated with something bad. Um, not exactly. so, but I really appreciate your time here. 
Uh, this has been very educational <laughs> and we only scratched the surface of what you do, what your company does, uh, your book and in general, a um, conflict resolution, even outside of work. A lot of things that we've learned in the workplace, we take outside of work and vice versa. Um, but one thing I can, I can probably attest to, and you can possibly attest to the biggest variable here is the person. Each person's different and each person takes conflict differently. Uh, there's, and there's not just one way to resolve a conflict. Am I correct? On yes. That? And that's the other thing, you know, I don't, I don't like to people and I don't teach that all the conflict is going to be resolved, but if you learn how to manage it, that's the other, the other strength. That's the other power. Okay. Uh, we all have our thresholds. You just got to make sure that you don't go over yourself. You're mainly re responsible for yourself, but it's also the other person you're in conflict with to let you know about that as well. Mm -hmm. But well, Yvette, um, I know this is the, actually the end of the show. If my, if the listeners want to learn more about you or your book or learn more about conflict resolution in general, how can they get, get a hold of you? Yes, they can. They can. Um, I have a YouTube channel there that they can follow me with. They can write my name, Yvette Durazo. Also, uh, you can, you can, uh, you know, I do public speaking. I go out and do speakings in events, and I and I do workshops for events as well. So if you're looking for that, you can look me under yvetterasso.com, and then my my consulting website is unitiveconsulting.com. So they can go in there, they can see all the courses that I offer, the classes, um, you know, mediation. I do mediations for for people that are already in the workplace and they're already at the point that there's 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 nothing else that they can do because they need somebody to go in and immediately put down the fire. I, I, I do that as well. Um, so yeah, they can look me up there. LinkedIn. I'm also in LinkedIn, and you just Google my name, and and uh, you will, you will find me. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you for being part of this show. Uh, yeah. It's been a wonderful show. Uh, I look forward to all the comments about the show. If there's anything else you guys would like to know, reach out to Yvette or yes. myself. Thank you for sure. Uh, next week I have on Michaela. I believe it is. Yes, it is Michaela. And we are actually going to talk about uh, flying private and taking part in a company that you will actually invest in a, an air flying company, becoming chartered services. So wow. Michaela Johnson's going to be on. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> Instead of flying. I, yeah, I saw uh, a company in the Bay Area uh, developing the concept, and I think that they're already developing something similar to Ubers, where you can charter a plane like an Uber. Yeah, exactly. Imagine where we're getting, we're getting, you know, to. That's, that's awesome. That is exactly, I believe, the person that is, because it is the Flying Yacht Company that I have oh. coming on. So they're going to be on next week. So Fantastic. if you want to learn more about that, especially with your travels, uh, tune in. Thank you for inviting me over. I really appreciate your time and, and thank you to your audience. Uh, anytime, Yvette. And thank you for all the great content and telling us, letting us know that there is hope out there and there are ways to resolve conflicts. But until next week, everybody, get outside, listen to somebody, and see if you can resolve something on your own without causing drama. So <laughs> until then, have a great week. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you. Until then, have a fantastic week.